going to go through the word of the Lord here. And um, it's almost 7 o'clock. I don't know what your tradition is on a Sunday evening. I would venture to say there's probably few people in this room as tired as I am. You try speaking six times in 48 hours and go full throttle and uh, then have to get up at 3 in the morning, get ready for your flight and catch three, four airplanes. It's, it's, I'm tired. But at the same time, I am not going to withhold what the Lord wants to do. I do believe tonight is an opportunity for you to seize if you so choose. I believe God is going to do something significant if we can tap into it that I believe will alter the eternity of souls. I'm persuaded of it. So I would encourage you to give of yourself tonight. I want to read some verses that are burning in my spirit to share with you. Isaiah 59, 16, Ezekiel 22, 30, James 5, 7, and 8, Romans 13, 11 through 14. I'm going to read these in succession and we're going to pray. Prophet Isaiah has given us an insight from the Lord's perspective. And the Bible says he saw, talking about the Lord, that there was no man. And he wondered that there was no intercessor. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. The New Testament, the Lord's brother, James, says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth. This is showing an attribute, a character of God, of how he views you. He has great patience for harvest. The only reason why we are still breathing oxygen today, and we are not either on one side of eternity or the other, is because there is a God who wants to see one more person saved. Be patient because the husband has patience for the fruit of the earth. He has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Romans 13, 11 through 14, that knowing the time, someone say know the time. Someone say now. Someone say high time. Right now we must know it is time to awake out of sleep. Someone say now. 
our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, so let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let's walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, not in drunkenness, not in chambering, not in wantonness, not in strife, not in envy. Brothers and sisters, let's put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I ask a question this evening that I feel the Spirit would be asking us as a people. Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Some of you are like, yeah, it's 6.54, so you better hurry up. <laughs> you are very aware of one element of time. But there is another element of time that you need to be more conscious about. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I love you. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for New Brunswick. I thank you for Fredericton. I thank you for those that have gathered together, Lord, from surrounding towns. I do not take it lightly, Lord. I do not want to waste time. I believe we are short with time, and I pray we make the most of our time. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would open up eyes to see and ears to hear this evening. Take scales, as it were, off of our minds and our hearts and resensitize us to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that there would be a change of temperature in hearts tonight. I pray, God, that there would be, Lord, a warming, Lord, of the heart that would go from cold to on fire for you. And I pray, Lord, there would be a warming of, Lord, lukewarm to, Lord, power passionate for you. I pray there be a great awakening. I pray there be a great awakening in the 11th hour. Lord, let there be a great awakening in the 11th hour. Let there be, Lord, an apostolic rising in this congregation for such a time as this. Not by my might and not by my power, but by the Spirit of the living God. Lord, I pray let your will be done. And somebody say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give honor to the Cisco's missionaries. I'm not sure if they're here this evening, but they are. if they are, I was able to see them this morning, and I saw them a few years ago when we vis visited them when they were in Ghana, and now they're in transition to South Africa. What wonderful people. God bless them. God bless them. Do you know what time... It is. Time is very important to me. There's some things that I'm very OCD about, and there's other things I don't give a rip about. I have selective OCD, if that is a thing. But time is one of them. I'm not talking about length of sermon. I'm talking about respecting time of being early when there is an appointment. Like if Church is at 
7 o'clock or if a meeting is at 10 o'clock, I don't show up at 10 o'clock. I want to be there significantly prior to that with plenty of time to spare. I, when it was just me, I could accomplish that easily. Not going to point fingers anywhere, but life has changed after being single. And I've learned to add a buffer to time. And once we got that figured out, add three tax credits later, my wonderful sweet children, and I've had to increase the buffer to make it somewhere on time or early. For me, I believe it's a communication of respect. You're either respecting the other party's time or you're disrespecting it. That's my viewpoint. Not attacking you if you are a late person or you say your culture has a time. I'm just saying that it's about respecting people's time. So I'm pretty particular about it. I hate being late and most of the time when I fly out and about three times a month, sometimes four, I go somewhere and I'm, I leave on Friday. I come back home on Saturday and the airport's about 100 miles away and um, I have to create a buffer time and I'll get up very regularly on a Friday at 3 a.m. If I get to sleep a at all, it'll be 4 a.m. to catch that early morning flight to drive there for an hour to hour and 10 minutes to get there and then to go through security and so on and so forth. And I have a routine in the morning. Routine is my BFF. I love routine. It's my stabilizing factor. And so part of my routine when I wake up is that I love to read the word of God paired with a hot cup of coffee. If you do not do that, you have yet to reach the level of consecration <laughs> that the Lord is calling you to. You don't rip Hebrews out of your Bible. You need it. Am I moving too fast? And so I love to do that. And one of the mornings I was traveling, I got lost in just the enjoyment of what I was doing and I just got enamored with the word and with the coffee. I lost track of time. And then it dawned on me, I wonder what time it is. And I looked and I began to panic because I should have already been on the road driving to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And so I frantically hurry, get my things, and I get into my car, and I begin to drive speed limit. <laughs> There's been a conditioning that took place when I was kicked out of my parents' house. I became responsible for my own tickets. So I stopped speeding because I cannot afford to do so. And so I am what you would call maybe in the state side, we call them grandpa drivers. No offense, but that's just the reality. And so I'm the very cautious, slow one on the road. And I get on the interstate. And the good thing is in South Dakota, the speed limit on the interstate is 80 miles an hour. 
Now, I think the exchange rate in kilometers is like one million and two kilometers an hour. I'm not really figured out. I just remember like, you know, I looked at the sign. I saw like 80 kilometers an hour. And I feel like we were not moving very fast. I'm like, I don't know the exchange rate. But it's pretty fast in South Dakota. But I don't want to get a ticket. And I'm like, God, I need a miracle right about now. I believe you are Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I read about a evangelist one time that was transported. And I can use a Philip miracle preaching in Samaria, getting transported to another location. I remember hearing the story of Bruce Howell when he was in El Salvador and they put up the barricades and a civil war was going on and he was in the vehicle with his wife and as they were driving, he knew that if they came to that stop at the end of the road that they were going to be attacked and horrific things would ensue. And he felt the Lord quicken him to put the pedal to the metal and just drive forward. And so he began to speed towards this barricade and as he did, he shares the testimony that the Lord lifted the car off the earth and he flew over the barricade. Now, you don't have to believe that, but I choose to believe that we serve a God that still can perform the supernatural. I believe it. I believe it. So I'm like, God, I can, I can use a Philip miracle. I can use a Bruce Howe miracle. I just need a miracle. Lord, send me some sort of angel. And as I'm praying that, all of a sudden, a car went right past me. I'm like, whoa. Was that an angel? I better go find out. I never could quite catch up to the maybe potential angel, but I tried. All I know is mathematically to get there, it was a lot of miles an hour over, don't worry about it. And that mysterious vehicle that I trailed behind made it all the way past the exit I needed to get off on, and I made it to the airport. Do you know what time it is? Here we are in 2022. Who would have ever thunk we'd be where we are right now? But here we are. And we may not like the time that we are in. I think if we did a survey, how many are enjoying themselves the past two years? There wouldn't be many hands lifted up. We may not like the time that we are in, but it is imperative for you to understand the time that you are in. You know, we like all things work together. For We got to understand not all things are good, but all things work together for the good. And don't just write off the hour in the day in which you are living. You need to lean in and figure out what hour you are living in. And to what purpose were you selected to be alive at such a time as this? Why did God permit you to occupy space on this planet during the most frustrating time of your life? 
Do you understand the time that you are living in? There's two verses that have been, or three verses that have been like a mantra for me the past two years that I have read over and over again. I would encourage you to write them down. It's found in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 2 through 4. I read them in your hearing, the wisdom of this man that has experienced so much. He makes this statement, it is better to go to the house of mourning. It's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party. Come again. If you were presented two invitations on the same day, and someone said, hey, you want to go to a party? Man, there's, there, there's good food. It's going to be a blast. It's hilarious. Man, it's going to be so much fun. We got great yard games. We're going to have just, it's going to be fun. You're, you want to come to this. And then someone else comes to you, hey, you want to come to a funeral with me? The food's not going to be good. It never is at a funeral. Do you want to come? You want to cry with me? Which one are you inclined to want to go to? And be honest with yourself. Of the two, which one? But this man says, it's better for you to attend a funeral than to, for you to attend a party. Why? Because that is the end of all men. And the living need to lay this to heart. Meaning that is where you are going to end up one day. And you need to attend that so there can be an awakening inside of you of your mortality, of your temporary time on this planet. Because it says in verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. Because sadness of the countenance of the heart is made better. Meaning that there is a refining influence that takes place upon the human heart when they attend a funeral. Very interesting for those that know exactly what I'm talking about, that you have attended a funeral. You're not really all pumped up to go, but something happens in the setting of a funeral that takes place unlike any other occasion. When the person was living, and they were your friend and family member, and they wanted to get together, and they lived in a different town, a different province, a different country, you never seem to be able to find the time to go see them. We, we don't have time. But now that they're dead, we make time. Isn't that interesting? That it takes that to bring people together. It's unlike any other event going to a funeral. And all of a sudden, when you're there, things begin to stir in your heart, in your mind. And you haven't talked to them in a while, or maybe you haven't talked to them recently. But there are memories that have been suppressed that you have not thought about in years, in decades. But at the funeral, it's like a chamber is open and a floodgate of memories pour in. And then when one person shares one memory... It stokes another memory inside of you. Then someone else shares something about that person's life. And there's this, this, this move that takes place in the room that is unlike any other setting. 
I don't know all the, how it played out for you in your province, but I know in our country on state side that there was, there was places where people were not permitted to be at the deathbed of their near, dear loved ones. People were forbidden to have a funeral to gather together. I believe we have yet to see the effect and consequence of that. Think about that. Because you know when you go, there's somehow this closure that takes place at the funeral. Some people fear going to a funeral and they do not go because they do not want to deal with the emotions of the funeral. The regrets that they had of not saying some things they should have said to that person or healing some things that should have been healed. There's some things refining that takes place in the setting of a funeral. And man, when people are forbidden to see their near, dear loved ones, there's not the closure that could have happened, that should have happened. And in verse 4, it says, So the heart of the wise go to the house of mourning. But the heart of fools will not go to the funeral. They want to stay in the party. They only think about having a good time. Do you know what time it is? If I was to ask right now, who here has lost someone that you love to COVID-19? I'm sure that most hands would go up in this room. Someone that you were very close to, friend or family member. It's affected everybody's life. My wife lost her grandfather to COVID-19. And when things were really going bad, she could not see him. They could not visit him and his wife in the hospital. And they tried to keep the two away from here. A people that have been married for over some 60, 70 years. And now they're being separated in the most horrible moment. There's, there's a mental effect that takes place upon people. When you close the door to the wisest thing you can do is be there in a moment of death, in a moment of need. Are you listening tonight? Are you paying attention? The Lord has something to say to us in these next few moments. And there are a people out there that do not like to deal with those emotional moments so they avoid the funeral. Or they make jokes the entire time and they, they really just put up a front at the funeral and they will not be vulnerable and transparent and open. And so they just got to turn the funeral into a good time and laugh. And they never properly process their emotions. I believe there is a spiritual parallel that has taken place the past two years of this pandemic. Where we don't like the time that we are in. We do not enjoy it. And what people have found themselves doing in isolation, I believe, has not been as productive as it could have been. What I mean by that is when I was at Indiana Bible College for four years, you, it was an amazing atmosphere. Pastor Paul Mooney was the, the, the preacher, and you were, he was in his prime, and he was just feeding us flaming yuns every single service. And we would go to church five to six times a week. You got a 200 voice choir of just the elite singers of Pentecost. Man, it was intense. You're going to school to learn about the Bible. 
and you're surrounded by a student body of over 200 that want to take over the world for Jesus. There, there, there's very few atmospheres like that. Electrifying, awesome, powerful, faith building. Charge hell with the squirt gun. And man, I thought I was doing great and I, I, I'm ready just to bust through and God calls us to South Dakota. And so my wife and I go out on a mission to take over South Dakota for Jesus. Doing all that we learned at Bible college, pumped up, excited. And all of a sudden, for the very first time in our lives, we were isolated. We were alone. We were away from the party. Church can turn into one big party of just having a good time. And feeling high, feeling lifted up, feeling faith-filled. And you think everything is good in your world. And it was in isolation alone. Our nearest neighbor was over 100 miles away. And we had no fellowship at that time. There were, you know, we had six churches in the entire state. When you would get together for a youth camp, for ages 12 to 18, there would be 40 and a high attendance. Family camp, 150 if we're blessed to have that many there. There's a whole nother world I've never experienced in my life. And now we're trying to dig out of work. We're alone and isolated. And in that loneliness, in that isolation, I had to begin to deal with things I've never dealt with before. See, before quarantine became common, like that's how we live in South Dakota. We went through COVID before COVID happened. Isolation, depression, quarantine, you're not around anybody. That's life. i never been in that setting before. And all of a sudden, you know, my wife and I, we have to come and bring the atmosphere and bring the faith and, and try to, you know, bring all the, the, the gimmicks and the tricks to try to have some sort of breakthrough in the church. But in all those lonely times, all of a sudden I'm dealing with emotions and I'm dealing with repressed thoughts and I'm dealing with all these isolated, lonely feelings. And I went through the, I could go through the most depressing stories for the next few hours, but I'm not going to right now. But I want you to, know, I was at a hard place. I was on the precipice of the pit of hell. I was so depressed. I was so defeated. I had no courage in me I had no faith in me but it just seemed not too long ago I had all the faith needed I had all the power needed but it was the atmosphere in which I was in and the Lord began to show me that I have been living off of other people's consecration I was living off of other people's sacrifice I was riding the coattails I was reaping the benefit of other people's praise, other people's worship, other people's giving, other people's labor. And now I'm there and I can't basically live off of someone else's walk with God. I can't live off of somebody else's consecration. I can't live off of somebody else's worship. I got to have it for myself. And when church is removed from you, and now you got to have church in home and look at a screen. All the atmosphere taken from you. And it's just you. And now you got to deal with you. Now you're with your kids more than you've ever been. Now you actually got to try to parent. 
Now you actually got to deal with your marriage. Now you got to deal with your siblings. It's a completely different atmosphere and reality begins to set in. And so what I believe has taken place, and there's a lot of routes we can go here this evening, but I'll just say it like this. I believe people did not like the funeral. And so they wanted to go to the party. And by that, we went to media to have a good time. We went to entertainment and distractions just to ease the pain and not deal with the issue. You know, the average person watches three and a half hours of media a day, pre-COVID. Now it's closer to seven to eight hours. People are addicted. The CEO of Netflix basically said his only competition with people is sleep. That's his only competition he has. He's trying to, and that's why they algorithm and always quick try to stream the next show to just keep you connected. And people are so connected to that without us consciously realizing it is we don't want to deal with the isolation and we don't want to deal with the problem and we don't want to deal really what's going on inside of us. And so we just need something to distract us and endlessly scrolling through our social media account nonstop because we don't want to deal with being alone. But I want you to know there's some things that can only happen that have a refining influence if you can get alone and be away from the crowd. I believe in the assembling of ourselves together. And I believe there's two types of prayer. There's prayer in multitude and there's prayer in solitude. And both are essential. But unfortunately, we do all too much Christian living in multitude and not in solitude. There is a funeral that we do not want to attend and it is our own funeral where we die out out to self where it's just you and God on the altar but if you can ever find the wisdom of the word you will find yourself in the presence of God and say God I want to attend my funeral today God I want you to lay it all out on the floor because Jesus it is wise for me to be here can you lift your hands for a moment we're going somewhere in the Holy Ghost would you lift your hands would you lift your voice and would you ask the Holy Ghost to speak to you for the next few moments? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We don't want to be a potluck church. Y'all know what potluck is? You, I don't know if you saw. Potluck. It, it, God bless potluck. <laughs> potluck is basically 10% of the church brings all the food. <laughs> and that same 10% came early to clean the church. And the same 10% are the ones that set up the tables. And that's the same 10% that came to pre-service prayer. And that's the same 10% that greeted everybody at the door. And then everybody else shows up. And people you haven't seen in a long time or ever. And there was even not even an announcement for potluck. 
It's just the miracle of potluck. People just come. And all of a sudden, after church is over, the 10% are in the altar, still wanting to pray, but the 90% want to have potluck. So the 10% got... And they go and set everything up and serve the 90%. And after the 90% does what they do, the 10% goes, okay, now we get something to eat. And they go, and there's nothing but salad. (laughs) And so they sit down, they don't complain, they go to eat, and the 90% are gone. And they got to clean the place. That's potluck, church. Which percent do you fall into? You you don't want to live off the sacrifice of the tithe of this church. You want to be part of it. We do not want to live off the consecration of others. Look, young people... You have been blessed with a fantastic church and you have inherited something. But don't just hold out your hand and inherit. You stick your hand in there and invest. Get invested in this church. Get invested in the DNA. Get invested in the things of God. We got enough inheritance. We need some people that make investment in this last day. I share a story with you, and I'm going to hurry. It's, it's 723. I've been preaching 25 minutes. You okay? You okay? The story is found in 1 Samuel 25. There's three main characters in this story, David, Nabal, and Abigail. David means loving. Nabal means fool. Abigail means source of joy. David's the anointed king. Nabal and Abigail are married. That's your typical marriage. You ever see like the couple and you look at the guy, then you look at the girl and you're like. How'd that happen? He must have money. But David is basically out. He's a man of valor. He's out fighting the Lord's battles. And and he is on the parameter of Nabal's property. Nabal is a super wealthy man. And he's super ignorant at the same time. Our favorite people. And so Nabal wants to have a party. He basically does something called the shearing of sheep. And what that time is is basically where rich people count their money and celebrate how much money they have. And so basically they're shaving all the sheep and gathering the wool. And they're like, man, look how much we got. Got it good. So big old party going on. And David and his men out in the parameters that have been watching over this territory and warding off enemies. David hears and sees and smells the sound of the party. And so he gets two messengers. He says, hey, can you guys go talk to Nabal for me? See if he will hook us up with some Capri Sun, some ketchup potato chips. And what's that stuff? Go there, go there, don't air. Don't even go there. 
He says, I, I, I want a little bit of that. So the two messengers go, and they go to Nabal, and they're like, sir, um, David, anointed king, he's kind of an important guy. Do you think we could uh, maybe have a few snacks, some pretzels? And Nabal flips out in a rage. He's like, no! Who is David? I don't know him. This is my stuff. You're my sheep. This is my money. That's my Tesla. In my house. That's my trophy wife. Mine. No. And the messengers are like, we, oh, okay. And they go. It can take rocket science to figure out the interpretation. <laughs> so they talk to David, who is loving, by the way. It says, David, um, Nabal, he said no. And David flips a switch, goes crazy. He says, get all the men right now. Get your weapons, get your swords. We're wiping them out. And they get and they start charging towards them. The Bible says there was another character there named Abigail at the party. And Abigail gets word from the servants of what unfolded. And she makes haste. Quick, servants, get as much food as you can. Get as many beverages as you can. Get as many sacrifices and offerings as you can. We got to go now. Hurry, hurry, I'm going to go ahead of you. And she starts charging towards David. And David charges. And the two come together, and she falls down, and she says, please don't, 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 don't. And David's moved. He's stirred. He stops. And he says, okay. Thank you. And he ceases from destroying the people. I believe this helps us to see something very amazing in Scripture. I believe there is a revelation here of David, Nabal, and Abigail. David represents Jesus, Nabal represents the world. And Abigail represents the church. Are you with me? David, Nabal, Abigail, Jesus, the world, the church. And this world is in a party because we like parties more than we like funerals. And this world's having a good time celebrating its abundance, its wealth, its, its, its cup that is overflowing. And, and just saying, this is my good, my stuff. But the Bible says every good gift... And every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us, that we should be a kind of first fruits to him. And Jesus, so loving, protecting those who don't even deserve protection, sends messengers to the world. Sends some preachers that way to go speak to the world 
And they say, hey, there's an anointed king. There's an anointed one. And, and he's just wanting a little appreciation, a little thanks. Would you just give him something? And this world so defiant, so drunk in their pleasure, so caught up in the party, in the good time. Who is Jesus? This is my house. This is my property. It's my education. It's my ingenuity. I did this. Not God. I reject him. And the messengers come back to the anointed king and tell him. David, who is loving the anointed king, the lamb of God. But the Bible says he is the lion and the lamb. The lion of the tribe of Judah. There is a side of judgment to this lamb. As a lamb, he is approachable. But as a lion, you better recognize he's a force to be reckoned with. And the Bible says he speaks to them. He speaks to his angels who the Bible says one day he's going to come on a white horse and there's going to be a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth and heaven's armies is going to race towards this world. And he says, get on your horses. Come on, Gabriel. Come on, Michael. It's time to go. And they get on their horses and they begin to charge towards the world that has rejected him. But there's another person in this story. Abigail. The source of joy, the church, the church was there at that scene. The church was there in that midst. And the Bible says when the church caught wind, when Abigail heard what had happened, she said, no, come on, get some gifts, get some offerings, get something, something to give him right now. And she began to race towards the anointed king. She went as fast and as feverishly as she could. And here comes Abigail. And here comes the anointed king. The two meet together. And Abigail falls down he says no could you please wait hold back judgment I know them back there and they are not ready please I beseech you give us time and would you receive these sacrifices and offerings to appease that, to give us a space of grace? Would you receive it? Abigail that day became an intercessor. Church, do you know what time it is? This world has been feasting and living in joy, in abundance, in luxury, doing life their way for a long time. And there is a king that is returning. He came once as a lamb, but he is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's had great patience for this earth. He's had great patience for this harvest. Nobody loves the harvest more than the Lord of the harvest. He's the one that bled. He's the one that died. He's the one that poured out. Uh, but I feel a warning in my spirit for there to be an awakening here in the church because where was Abigail? At the party. Abigail was in the place of abundance and blessing. 
Abigail was in the place of comfort and joy. She wasn't out in the harvest. She was in the house. She was in the house enjoying the beverages, enjoying the snacks, enjoying the fellowship, having a good time. Church, we are more blessed than we've ever been in the entire existence of not just the 20th century or 21st century, but since the days of the apostles. We sit on padded chairs. We sit with climate control in an building. We sit with wonderful lights, cameras, and action. We sit with a wonderful amplification system of sound equipment. I thank God for all of it. I thank God that there's been a shift and a turning where the church has been blessed to be a blessing. I thank God for all of it. I'm not against any of it, but if we are not careful, we can find ourselves just having a good time in the house, just celebrating one another enjoying one another having a feast once amongst each other and I believe we ought to have great fellowship I believe we ought to have a good time it took somebody to waken up Abigail and say hey Abigail the king's coming the king is coming the king is coming Here's what's amazing. Abigail, if she did nothing, she would have been okay. Only the males were destroyed. You can go to heaven just having a good time doing nothing in the house of feasting. I thank God we can go to heaven. You can practice precaution. Let me tell you something about precaution. Any extended amount of time of precaution is counterintuitive to faith. You don't even realize it. Precaution is your go-to emotion, reaction, and logical reasoning behind everything you do instead of faith. Because we've been practicing caution for two years. Are you listening? This is not a call to rebellion. It's not a call to some sort of reckless living. In the States, there's the big argument, mask, no mask, and all that kind of stuff in the country I'm at. And I don't get into debates. It's not worth it. You don't convert nobody in the debate. But we're so distracted by things that are trivial that they become our obsession from the Lord's passion and what he's interested in. I don't care if you wear 50 masks in a rain suit and gloves. I does, I it doesn't matter to me your stance on it all. Pro mask, no mask, it doesn't matter. Whatever your personal view is in your mind. My only question for whatever side of the fence you are on is are you teaching a Bible study right now?
keep beating yourself on the chest. Bless God, I'm, I'm practicing safe. I'm safe. Or bless God, I'm going to go at it. I don't care about nothing. <laughs> I meet people on both sides of the argument, not witnessing to anybody, just proving their point. I don't care what you do. You go ahead and put on the gloves, put on the face shield, put on the I don't make fun of any of it. That's fine. But just make sure you put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and lace up those gospel shoes and go do something for Jesus. Because you might go to heaven without doing anything, but there's somebody that's not going to heaven because you're not doing anything. God! awaken the church to do something about a lost and dying world somebody is going to hell in fact hell is enlarging itself where is the church I feel like we're at that valley of the Philistines and the Israelites and everyone's just looking at everyone wondering what to do and it took some rogue boy to step out and say, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? There was a horrific season that took place the other year in, in the state side. And you probably heard it and read it. The story of that police officer with his knee on that man's neck. And he lost his life. Everybody stateside cooperated with everything. But that day... A cause was awakened, and the cause became greater than the caution, and people began to flood the streets. I'm not preaching and teaching rebellion. I'm just trying to tell you a principle that the world caught something, and they said, you know what? We're going to throw caution to the wind, and we're going to go out, and we are going to make sure our voice is heard and justice is met. That's what began. I'm not talking which side is right. I'm just saying somebody found a cause. Instead of us just sitting here wondering, I wonder who's going to go to the altar. Anyone going to go to the altar? I wonder if anyone's going to lay hands and pray for someone. Is there, a, is there a lad in this room? Is there a David in this room that says my cause is greater? Let the church find its cause again. Let the church find its purpose again. The purpose is not to entertain you tonight. The purpose is not to create just some fun environment where you feel there's nothing to lose. I'm telling you, we got everything to lose. We've got to come to church with a mission, not just to give money to support. I thank God that you support missionaries. I thank God you support us. But we are not your out to doing what you need to do. God has called you to reach Fredericton. God has called you to reach New Brunswick. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? Come on, somebody lift it up. Lift it up right now. Oh, there's an awakening in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray a great awakening. Church, 
I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry at you. I am simply a voice, a channel, a vessel that is trying to effectively convey the attitude and temperament of the anointed king right now. And he just wants you to know, do you know what time it is? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. When's the last time you taught about eternity? Jesus is returning. And our attention must return to righteous living and reaching the lost. That's all that matters right now. Righteous living and reaching the lost. Jesus is coming back. The church became an intercessor that day. And I'm coming to a close. Give me about 10 minutes. But God is here to awaken Abigail to be the intercessor. I read Hosea chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So you can see what you are and what you do when you pray. If you could put Hosea 2, 6 and 7 up, please. Behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns. And I will make a wall that she shall not find her path. There's a prayer that can be prayed. That when someone is walking away from this faith and this truth and walking away from God. And is pursuing the party and pursuing the world. That God can begin to cause a wall to be built. And they try to reach to get what they're looking for, but they can't because something is stopping their reach. It says in verse 7, she's so persistent to follow after her lovers, but she will be unable to overtake them. She's going to try even more, but not be able to find them. And after that prodigal, after that backslidden child, after that person that left the youth group is doing everything they can to reach and have their fun and have their party and pursue their pleasure, when they finally realize, no matter what I do, I can't get a hold of what I'm looking for. It says, she comes to her mind in verse 7, and she says, I will go and return to my first husband. Husband, for then was it better with me than now I'm speaking to some parents in this house some grandparents in this house and I'm speaking to some youth in this room right now that your parents have walked away from this your sibling has walked away from this and you don't want to deal with that emotion and you've lost hope you've lost any faith that something's going to happen but I'm telling you right now Abigail you are God's source of joy he wants to hear your voice about the lost he wants to hear you cry out no 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 you don't hold off just give me a little time Jesus just give me a little time Jesus receive this offering receive this prayer receive this intercession give me a little time they're not ready right now they're not my co-workers not ready right now God my friends not ready right now hold <laughs> Uh, uh. 
The Bible says in the days of Abraham in Genesis 19:16 that his prayer with the Lord dispatched angels. God could have just sent fire down, but he sent angels out, and those angels went out, and Lot was still trying to make things work and figure things out. But the Bible says the angels, they lingered, they waited, they would not go until the prayer Abraham prayed was answered. The fire would not fall the judgment would not come until Abraham's prayer was answered Abraham was an Abigail Abraham was the church Abraham interceded and the Bible says that those angels grabbed Lot and pulled him out there's an element of salvation that we don't like to talk about and that's the sovereignty of God I was a prodigal I was not seeking after God I was seeking the world, but I had a mother, a father, and a brother that would pray, and they would intercede. My brother shares a story with me. When intercession hit him, he excused himself from the classroom, and he found his way into an elevator shaft, and he hit that floor and began to intercede for my soul. I was not trying to look for God. I was not trying to find God, but God dispatched some angels there were some prayers that went out and thank God that they grabbed me by the coattail and they pulled me out I preach because they prayed who am I to preach and not pray there's got to be an awakening of intercessory prayer in this church there's don't stop praying don't stop praying don't stop praying that image Ezekiel the Lord's temple the Lord began to show Ezekiel something he's at that altar and he says look and at that altar there was just a little trickle that began to flow And the Lord said, follow it. And Ezekiel followed it, and he walked out. And that trickle got ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. The further he went out, the deeper the stream got until his waters are swimming. This is what the Lord showed me personally, just for, for me, and I hope it could help somebody here. When you're praying at that altar, and you don't feel nothing, and you're praying, it seems just a little trickle. Not much to it. But the further they are from God, the deeper your prayer is at work. Just a couple weeks ago, my backslidden brother, I was preaching a building dedication service. And our family's been praying for years. For years, my backslidden brother and him and his family came and he prayed and made reconciliation. Don't stop praying. I mean, I, however far away they are from God, and no matter how it looks as if it's impossible, we serve a God 
God who is more than able. Don't stop praying, sweet elder. Don't stop praying, sweet mother. Don't stop praying, teenager. Pray again. Pray again. Intercede again. Don't get distracted with the feast. As we stand together, musicians, you could hold off. In fact, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel they have music. I, I don't think, they, maybe later. But I believe God's calling for voices tonight. Abigail intercedes and holds back the wrath, the judgment. She gets up and she returns. Intercession's hard work. And when she finds her way back to the house, everybody knows what happened except for Nabal. He was the last one to hear. And when the party was over, the news was brought to him. And on that day, his heart became stone, and he died. The Bible says this gospel will be preached to the whole world. And when the last person hears, then comes the Son of Man. Nabal dies. The anointed king hears. And the anointed king comes back. For Abigail. The king finds his bride. Jesus is coming back for a bride. Jesus is coming back for a church. Who do you want to be part of that bride? Church, I know you're weary and tired, but God is trying to awake a sleeping giant in this room. God is calling us to prayer for the lost. Outreach to the lost. And this building will not be able to contain your answered prayers if you would get serious about praying those prayers. You hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. This building cannot contain your answered prayers. This building cannot contain your answered prayers but the prayers got to be prayed and we got to stop just having a good time at the feast and having a time at the party somebody would an abigail rise up in this room right now and begin to make war on the floor and begin to pray in the holy ghost for there to be a great drawing of prodigals in Fredericton a great drawing of prodigals in New Brunswick right now is there a heart that God's been pressing this entire service trying to squeeze out of you a passion a zeal for the lost or are you just going to pray it safe you're just going to look at me and pray it safe come on 
I'm not here to have a fight with you. I'm here to try to let you know your prayers work if you start praying right now. Stop looking at me. Stop waiting for some magical moment and get a burden for the lost. Get a burden for the lost. Look, if you are burdenless, I'm not trying to be hard and mean, but you're dismissed. You are dismissed. I want that as just an absolute participation of intercession in this room right Right now go ahead and press your way in how valuable is the soul of your spouse how valuable is the soul of your brother how valuable is the soul of your child God does God just wants to hear his source of joy cry out awaken Awaken, O oh sleeping giant. Awake. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is. There ought to be a roar in this room right now. There ought to be a travail. As soon as Zion travails, children are born. Come on, something can be born in this room right now. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Pour your soul out. If you got to lay on the floor, lay on the floor. If you got to fall back in your chair and shake your hands and lift your voice, do so. But do not just watch. Do not be a spectator. Be an intercessor right here. Be an intercessor right now. God save my son. God save my daughter. God save my wife. God save my cousin. God save my nephew. God save my co-worker. God save them. They're not ready. They're not ready. They're not ready. Come on, that's it right now. Come on, that's it right now. Come on, are you so in love with the world that you're afraid of heaven? Are you so in love with the world that you're afraid to die and go to heaven? Somebody, somebody die to self. Somebody die to self right now and go to intercession for a soul. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. Let the Spirit of God make intercession. Wake up! That's it. That's it. Come on. We're, we're just beginning right now. You're just beginning to get into that realm God's calling you into. Come on in the name of Jesus.
I know it's work, but there ain't no work worth more. There ain't nothing worth more than reaching a soul right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus, I believe some of your prayers that you're praying right now are being dispatched right now. I believe in the name of Jesus, there are people in this room that you're going to get your answer tonight. You're going to get that text message tonight. You're going to get that phone call tonight. They're going to come knocking on your door. I believe it. Therefore, I speak it. Is there somebody in here that you're desperate enough? You're desperate enough. Come on, you got to pray for them. You got to pray for them. You got to pray for them. Come on, God is dispatching warring angels. Come on, in the name of Jesus, the prince of the power of the air is no match for that warring angel. Come on, God will give his angels charge concerning that soul you pray for. Go after it. Go after it. Go after it. Come on, I need about 20 intercessors to go at it right now. Come on, you're going to change the atmosphere right now. Come on, you know you got to call the intercessory prayer. I want you to tap in right now. Come on, we need about 20 intercessors right now to plug in and crank it up a notch for just a moment. There is going to be a shift in this atmosphere right now. Come on, tap in. Tap in. Do not tap out. Do not get weary in well-doing. This is your season. This is the 11th hour. Dial it in. Dial it in. Dial it in. Yes, yes, that's it. That's it. Come on, there's a wave coming in right now. There's a wave coming in right now. There's a wave of faith coming in this room. There's a gift of faith that's about to operate.
That's it, come on. The enemy's defeated. Go after your promise. Go after your promise. Come on, you got authority to tread on serpents. You're not a beggar. You're a believer. You're not a beggar. You're a child of the king. Say, hey, hey, yes, yes. I believe we're ready. I believe we're ready to shift gears right now. I want you to listen. I'm going to give you an instruction. We're not quenching the spirit. We're flowing. We're flowing in the spirit. I need you to listen for just a moment. But be, get ready to tap back right in. I want to share something I've learned in the process of intercessory prayer in my experience in South Dakota. I want to talk about the feeling of in the impossible. It's South Dakota. I worked at a reservation at a detox center for natives. I was the fifth step, and basically they would pour out their life story, and I would hear it all. Before this process began, I went through a little education and training, and counselors and stuff talked to me, and this is what they said. They said, you need to prepare yourself and condition yourself for secondhand trauma. They said, secondhand trauma is like secondhand smoke. You 
are not the ones smoking, but you're breathing in their smoke, and it's just as impacting and deadly. It has an effect. And after hearing their stories, I would get in my car and I would drive home for an hour. And on that interstate, I would shake and pour out tears after listing the stories of molestation and rape and, and addiction since being a little child. I just shake. There's horrifying stories. And God helped me to learn a lesson in intercessory prayer. It's like secondhand trauma. That when you begin to intercede for that lost soul and you're pouring out yourself, you're being touched with the feelings of their infirmity and, and you're in pain and you're groaning and you're travailing and you do your part. And when you're done, it's like that secondhand trauma. You're not the one sinning. You're not the one doing bad. But you get up from intercession and you feel weary, depleted, and often sad or depressed. It's not true for everyone, but it's been a common theme in our lives and in the lives of others I talk to because you are weeping and travailing out of desperation. And this is where you got to do what we talked about on the first night. After you intercede, know that the Lord has heard and the Lord is at work. And do not walk away depressed and discouraged. You got to do the hard part. Yes. Hallelujah. I praise you. I worship you. I magnify you. I believe. I worship you. I praise you. I believe. Lord, before I see one piece of evidence, I rejoice in the God of my salvation. You need to claim your victory right now. Pick yourself up off that floor. Lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. And let the church rejoice right now. Let the church rejoice right now. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a sharp two-edged sword in your hand. Slice through the atmosphere of the kingdom of darkness. There is an opening for prodigals. You don't got to feel it. You got to faith it right now. Faith. 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 Lift your voice. Come on. Wave your hands in victory. Celebrate. Celebrate. Thank God. Praise God. Worship God. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let there be a shout of triumph. Let there be a shout of triumph. Let there be a shout of triumph.
That's it. There's victory. There's victory. There's victory. There's victory. There, go ahead and get your victory dance. Go ahead and get your victory march. Go ahead and get your victory shout. All right, musicians are ready. Come on, we need some musicians. We're going to shout under God with a voice of triumph. We're going to shout under God with a voice of praise. Jesus has conquered. Satan is defeated. The enemy is under my feet. So I will shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I will shout unto God with a voice... Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't wait for the music. Do it. The music's going to accompany you. You're not going to accompany the music. The music's going to accompany you. That's it. Go. 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 Yes, yes. Come on, if you're with your family, lift their hand together. Come on, rejoice together. Find someone to rejoice with. Find someone to rejoice with. Shout unto God. Come on, shout unto God. This is our time of victory. This is our time of celebration. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. 